Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 358 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today her not dieting, new nutrition normal. What? Oh, you better listen up. It's going to be a terrific show. And before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once-a-day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, hop on over to smartypantsvitamins.com. All right, now here's your first official reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show. Why? Because I like hearing from you. That's why. Your feedback is golden, platinum. It's the best. All right, it's time for her. Her, the podcast, the naked truth about women, her mind, her body, her life. It's all about her. So there was a headline the other day. It said, is dieting dead? What is this anti-diet movement? What is the new nutrition normal? Well, if I'm going to talk about this, I got to grab my girlfriend, my pal, Felicia Stoller. Felicia has been on the show before. She is a PhD in exercise physiology and a registered dietitian. That's right. She's a little bundle. She's got everything. You eat, you work it off. I don't know. She's got the whole thing taken care of for the healthful living. And with credentials like that, I'm loving it. So Felicia, welcome to the Her Podcast. I'm excited to be here, and what a fun topic for us to talk about. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. We're going to have to be so careful about the cancel culture and the rest of it. And we have to just really put it out there and try to understand what's going on. So this whole um, issue of the you know, anti-dieting thing I read about in the Wall Street Journal. And uh, it's it's... Is it the next it diet, not to diet, not to try losing weight? What is all that about? Why would someone want to go to that kind of place? So, you know, in reading the article, uh, there was a lot of um, information. Um, and a lot of this came uh, circling around the whole issue of how complex this can be. For instance... Um, just the word diet gets people going. It's a trigger. Uh, what does the word diet mean? Yeah, well, I was going to tell you in my book, I actually said that the word diet means, did I eat that? You know, we have this perception that a diet is something that we go on and off of. And I remember being a dietetic intern, doing my clinical rotation, speaking to a gentleman who had one leg amputated below the knee and was waiting for surgery to have the other one because of his uncontrolled diabetes. And I said, I'd like to talk to you about your diet, sir. And he said, I'm not on a diet. I'm like, well, obviously not. <laughs> I know, seriously. I, mean, I didn't mean to like laugh about it, but I mean, the diabetes got one leg. Now we're going for the second one and you still want to stick your head in the sand and pretend that what you're eating is not affecting the fact that you're losing a, another limb. Well, let's, let's just, you know, step back for a minute. As a physician, you know, we've used the word diet 
um, in a very medical sense, meaning that if you have kidney disease, you're going to be placed on a specific dietary regimen. If you have heart disease, you need a certain dietary regimen. Um, and this has been done in conjunction with other therapeutic modalities to be able to help that person. And so there it's much more um, of, a, of a therapy, as it were. Um, but then there's dieting to just drop weight um, because according to whatever uh, tables or guidelines out there, you're above that limit. And now um, this could be potentially threatening your health, um, let alone how you feel about the way you look and, and all the rest of it. So now things get hairy because now we're talking about what cultural norms are we subscribing to? Um, are we honoring diverse body types? Um, are we uh, taking into consideration uh, other things that are occurring in people's lives like stress um, and trauma? Um, et cetera, that impact upon how you eat. And it just goes on and on and on. Um, and then we have the ugly fact, and that is that, quite frankly, um, medical science is not the world's greatest with uh, this whole issue of, as it were, dieting, because it hasn't looked at the human being as a holistic human being, holistically meaning that you exercise, you sleep, you uh, somehow manage stress, maybe, who knows, or however you do that. Um, and at the same time, you also consume food. All of this is implied in um, what you need to consider when you look at someone's um, ability to eat appropriately, to nourish appropriately. So it, it's hairy. It's very, and then of course I throw in genetics too, and gender, and age. Geez, you know, I'm ripping my hair out. What do you think, Felicia? Well, I mean, the whole, it is, as you said, it is multifactorial without a doubt. And there's a lot that goes into people's decisions. But at the end of the day, what gets left out of the conversation is about choice. And you always have a choice to move or not move. Well, you have a choice to select the foods and beverages that you're going to consume. And while I know that sometimes mental health and stress can impact sleep, and maybe we don't always have a choice when it comes to that, I think for those aspects of our life where we do have a choice in choosing healthier habits and behaviors versus less healthier habits and behaviors, we often don't want to take ownership and responsibility and self-accountability for the choices that we make. And I think that's part of the challenge. So, so should it be that we, you know, I think there are some movements here. One movement mm -hmm. is, um, as it were, the body positivity movement. Um, there's another that's intertwined with intuitive eating, um, kind of feeling, you know, uh, your way through how you feel about your relationship with food and, um, 
whether or not you feel satisfied with particular choices and back and forth. So your thoughts about some of that. So, you know, a lot of it, it's, 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 you know, the body positivity component of it, I've always been challenged with because I understand on the one hand, it's about loving yourself and self-love and not loathing yourself. However, if physicians are being encouraged or being asked to no longer weigh people because it's going to, and talk to them about their body weight as it relates to health, to me, that is unethical and it's unconscionable. It's like saying, don't take my blood pressure, don't do my blood work. I mean, body weight is definitely, we know, correlated to overweight and obesity, and it is directly correlated with the leading causes of death worldwide. And even with COVID, we saw how body weight affected people's health outcomes when it came to treatment. So I think to stick our head in the sand because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings is problematic. I think what has created a bigger conversation and topic is what is the right way to talk to people about what they should and should not be eating, because let's not forget the multi-billion dollar industry that is out there in the weight loss industry. And so much of it is based upon recidivism. And a lot of it's just based on profit, even if it's not based on science. So a physician doesn't always have either the time or the skills to get into a full-blown conversation with the person sitting in front of them. Remember, a lot of times they've managed care. They have a short window of time to have a conversation in that doctor's visit. And the doctor, in most of their training, you're an exception, but most physicians don't unfortunately get enough training on nutrition and exercise and fitness. They could say, oh, go on a diet or eat better and move more. But you know, really, what is that telling somebody? It's unfortunately not telling them enough of what they need. And so there's so much misinformation that's been pervasive in the media uh, around dieting and body weight and the ways to do it safely. And um, it's really trying to, uh, you know, we're trying to wrap our heads around a huge beast out there. On the one hand, you want to help people make better choices and have the knowledge to to live healthier lives. But yet, don't want to put them on something that's going to create some other form of disordered eating or set them up for, for you know, con continued failure and recidivism, which is, you know, a failure, you know, and going on a diet and going, you know, losing some weight. And then, yeah, for, I don't know, you know, in terms of sometimes people don't understand what that means. I know you do, but I don't know in terms of your listeners, what, if they understand what that means. There's another yeah. word there too, that I want to add into the mix. And that is sustainable. You know, so much of what is, been you know uh hawked out there it's 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 just not sustainable you have to be able to find a way to be able to eat more healthfully move more um you know uh in, in more active way throughout the day um you have to have both of those going on but whatever you do has to be sticky it's got to stick. You know, you, you can't have something that is, you know, good to go. I mean, anybody could put themselves on some torture regimen um, for a week or two and whatever. And then we all know how that ends extremely badly. Um, so the word sustainable also means you have to have patience because it's those small steps that you're taking um, that are really going to be meaningful. But people want 
you know, quick changes yesterday. And um, they look at themselves in the mirror and they go, oh my God, you know, where did this belly come from already? Well, you were working on it for two years and it's gonna take a little while to be able to, you know, bring this thing under control um, to be able to decrease your risk of heart disease and all the rest of it. You know, I, I just think that, um, you know, when you have, uh, let's just create somebody. We have a, a, a woman who is 45 years old. She has been on every diet known, and I quote, diet, and these are the fad diets and everything else out there, known to mankind, right? Nothing has worked. Maybe a little teeny bit of stickiness here and there with whatever. She kind of knows what she should do in terms of healthy whole foods and to move her body and all the rest of it. But for whatever reason, it's just not sticking in a big way. She is frustrated. She is now going through the perimenopausal years. She's picking up more weight around her belly, which is very typical during that uh, period of time. She's starting to lose fitness and, and her muscle mass because she's not uh, as physically active as she should be. She's frustrated um, and she doesn't know where to go. And there's a piece of her that says, well, why don't I just be happy with my 220 pound self at five foot seven? And now we have to start a conversation. Oh, by the way, her blood levels are starting to look a little iffy. So now her hemoglobin A1C, which gives you an idea of diabetes risk is starting to increase. Her cholesterol levels are slowly but surely creeping up. So is her blood pressure. So now you start having what we call comorbidities creeping in slowly because of her age. And, and there's a piece of her that just says, maybe I should just be happy with who I am and where I am. Maybe I should just, you know, go to that place and just bag all the rest of this and I'm tired of the whole thing. And you know something? That's your classic person out there. And so I personally feel, and I'm gonna get your take on this, that the way this is approached the conversation has to change. There has to be compassion. There has to be empathy because everyone understands what the typical old, and I quote, dieting statistics look like. They're horrible, they're bleak. You know, like 90% of, 98% of people just gain it all back again. Um, because they just did these quickie things that have no stickiness, no sustainability. Instead, I like to go where that individual is and sit down with them and talk to them about what's important in their life to give them that extra motivation. What about those teenage kids that you'd like to be around for to celebrate graduations, uh, marriages, great milestones in their lives, your life, you know, all the rest of it. Well, now there's a motivation that's priceless, but you know, we're not having those conversations. The old fashioned way is just slap them with some kind of a, you know, uh, like a boilerplate template diet that you slap everybody on. It looks awful. It doesn't taste great. Um, and no one in their right mind would even want to try it. So 
I think we have to step back and look at behavior. What motivates behavior? How to stay mindful, how to nourish the body. These are the new words. What about, what, what do you think? Well, I think mindfulness, you know, when it comes to food, I think what people um, don't realize, and I've done this with some people, so it's, it's a fun exercise to do, is about, you know, taking your food and assessing, do you chew it quickly or slowly? Do you let it sit in your mouth and you're trying to experience all the flavors in your mouth? Or do you, you know, I've had, I've had many clients that, you know, they chew their food really quickly. They're almost choking on it because they don't give it the time it needs in their mouth. And whether you're, you know, it's like a, a great example of it is something like a Hershey kiss. Anyone can do this with a little Hershey kiss. Do you chew it or do you let it dissolve on your tongue? And what a big difference, you know, with chocolate, and that could be milk chocolate. You could do the same thing with dark chocolate. Do you savor it and let it dissolve and really appreciate the texture and the aroma and pick up the subtle taste of it? Or do you just chew it, chew it to chew it and get it down? And that's really more of what mindfulness is, is, is around too, making choices. Are you really hungry? Are you bored? You know, maybe you're dehydrated and you feel like you're hungry and maybe you need some water. I mean, it's really trying to get more in tune with your body. Um, you know, it, it's not about mindfulness in that your body knows exactly what you need to eat because you're, you're having a deficiency. I think when people say that, I just look at them like they're crazy. I, I often, when I, especially when I counsel teenagers, I say to them, if I were to lock you in a grocery store and let you eat whatever you want, you would not be choosing foods that are necessarily healthier for you. You know, that's not what's driving your choice. So I think it's about thinking about your food choices and, and in terms of what it is, you know, why you're eating it. Are you just eating things because they taste good or do you actually think about it? In terms of the mindset, something I've worked hard to speak with the people that I interact with, not just clients, but friends, family, because you know, the minute everyone finds out that you're a dietitian and an exercise physiologist, all the questions fly out all the time is trying to eat more plant-based, for example, and, and focusing on, do you figure out at the end of the day, if you've eaten a vegetable, I'm, I'm shocked when I look at people's food journals and I, I take those records so I can look at what they're doing so I can make suggestions within their current habits and choices for improvement. It's not about taking something out of a book that's so vastly different and saying, here, go do this. Because if those things worked, then there wouldn't be an issue. So it's about what are you doing now and how can we make improvements on that? I love that. And um, I'm running with this, this, um, emphasis now on behavior. And in other words, what does it take to be able to make a new habit? So if you, if you are typically guzzling tons of caffeinated, fully sugared, um, sodas, what will it take you now, uh, to drink more tea, to drink more, um, fresh water, um, or water infused with vegetables or fruit. Um, uh, and I don't mean the super sugary, this stuff you make at home, you just throw in some oranges and this and that. Um, what will it take for you to do that? And I go to the behavior place, the why. Why do you want to change at all? What happened? Was there an epiphany there? Did something happen in your life 
um, did, was there a comment from your child or your partner or, or something happened somewhere along the line? You, you know, it could be something as simple as a visual. You caught yourself in the mirror and you were, you were shocked because you just don't spend that much time. And then there's a, an, an awakening. And then you have to really dig deep and say, whoa. And that, that vision of where you want to go has to be fresh in your brain as you're making choices. So for instance, I know that you and I are both more athletic. I'm in the process of, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, going much more deeply into my resistance training um, now that I have my own fitness um, gym, uh, since I can't trust outside gyms much anymore. Um, and in that regard, I'm thinking to myself, I'm building muscle. When am I going to get the appropriate amount of protein, lean protein, healthy protein, time it out with my workouts, Am I getting enough vegetables and fruits to be able to fuel myself through the aerobic part of my work workout? You see where I what I just did? I gave myself a purpose and meaning for my food choices. I'm saying to myself, I'm nourishing a more athletic body. And I know so many women out there in the her podcast land are saying, okay, man, it's my first 5K. It's my first fill-in-the-blank triathlon. It's my first run. It's my first anything out there, biking, swimming, um, you know, uh, hitting the gym, uh, lifting weights. Well, good, because you're fueling that, but you got to put a little thought into that. You know, um, it's like the way we dress ourselves. What purpose do you have in dressing? Oh, I see. I'm going to actually be in an in-person meeting that's extremely important, highly professional, whatever. Oh, right, girlfriends. We're whipping out the professional wardrobe. See, I have meaning and purpose behind that. I don't just slop something on with no thought whatsoever. Um, and so it's really important for us to think about how we honor our body every single day with the highest level of mindfulness when we make choices about whole foods, whether it's plant-based or it involves whatever kind of protein, it's just terribly important to reframe the narrative and go to habit formation and habit switch outs. How do you do that with your own clients, Felicia, that habit thing? Well, we talk about usually what I will do is I will ask them to help me create some, you know, I usually ask them, are there some things that you are willing to change and what are they? And usually I don't just, I'm not telling them, I ask so that they're participating. So by the act of them just even saying it out loud, they're listening to it. I write it down. And by the time we're done, I usually say, look, let's work on three things. Maybe you made, maybe you gave me a list of five or six. Let's work on three. Let's see how you do with that. Let's keep track of it, right? Because journaling is part of that too. So there's some accountability and reflection. And then we touch base in a week or two and see how are you doing. So the person who says, okay, it's the new year. I'm going to work out five days a week at the gym, but I haven't worked out before. I'm like, can we just start with one day? Let's just start with one day a week. And let's start with that. Or if it's one day 
you know, it's a few hours, you know, how, how do we do that? It's always in slow increments, even something like drinking water. You were talking about soda. If you're not a water drinker, can you just start with one eight ounce glass of water a day? Drink everything else that you're doing. Just add one glass of water. Can you do that? You know, most people find that when they do that small thing, they can achieve it and it's attainable. So they feel better about increasing that better choice the following week or at the next increment when they do that touch, you know, touching base or checking in. And it's like, hey, you know what? I did that. It wasn't so bad. I think I could add another one. I think I could add another day or I think I can add, you know, another glass of water. Or you know what? It wasn't a big deal to eat a half a cup of vegetables every day. I I can do a whole cup. That's how... I, I love that. I love that. And, and I, you know, I love and please everyone out there in the Herb Podcast land. Did you hear what Felicia just said? She said, take small steps. There's no fathom leaps here because, you know, I'm here to tell you that don't work. Not even trying. I mean, I know we want fathom leaps. And here's another thing. The P word perfection. I want to do it perfectly. Okay. Address that issue, Felicia. Oh yeah, perfection, and and we could talk about like like elitism too, because I think sometimes people are under the mindset that if they don't do it perfectly, then it doesn't matter. Then like they're going to throw in the towel and they're not going to do it at all. You know, it's like if you can't run the whole 5K at a good speed, you're not going to do it. Well, you can walk it, you could jog walk it. It's okay. You know, every little bit counts. You don't have to, you know, your, your, your vegetables don't have to be organic. All your food doesn't have to be organic. There's so much like food elitism. People think, well, if I can't eat fresh organic produce and cook it myself, then it doesn't count and I'm just not going to do it at all. No, 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 no. That couldn't be any further from the truth. And that shouldn't stop people as an excuse for why they are not attempting to make better food choices, um, you know, or do or or do more physical activity. It all counts. It's all as long as you're moving the needle in the right direction, it all counts. It's all doing something good. Again, people think about weight loss and, and to go back to that for a second in terms of numbers on the scale. I have to remind people, especially women when they get a little bit older, you know, and uh, that maybe haven't worked out that, you know, the number on the scale is not always going to go down as much as you would like because, hey, I got you exercising now and your muscle mass is increasing. So while your fat mass might be going down, you're increasing your muscle mass, which means maybe, you, let's say in your mind you think you need to lose 20 pounds and you lose 10 pounds, but you lost a lot of inches and now you've gone down a few dress sizes. I ask people, what would be ways that you would measure success? So for some people, success is, maybe a number on a scale for somebody else. It's getting into an old pair of pants, right? For a guy, it might be, I want to go back to another notch on that belt, right? There are things like that, that you can look at that those small changes can mean a lot. Is it, you know, I, I often talk to folks about the weight issue and that we don't have our weight. Like it's not a flashing light on our forehead. Nobody else knows what you weigh except you do. You know, it's not like when we were younger and you had like Wrangler jeans, had your waist size on the back of it. Nobody knows what size clothes you wear. Nobody knows how much you weigh. Um, I'm often amazed people can very seldom guess my weight correctly. I weigh more than I look because I'm, I've got a lot of muscle mass. So I always remind people I'm not going off of the weight on the scale as my number. That's not the only number to be looking at. 
So that, those yeah, I love things. that. I love that. And Felicia, you absolutely nailed it. No question about it. Um, I was just interviewed for, oh my God, some magazine, I can't even remember, um, but very recently about this whole issue of um, how do you actually um, derive uh, the appropriate metric to measure success. And I have one of my favorite ones is the closeometer that I invented a while back. I just love calling it the closeometer. <laughs> and it, it first appeared in Oprah's magazine a while back. She, w she went crazy over it because really, to your point, at the end of the day, the, what's the most important thing? How you look, how you look, you know, do you look fit, toned, happy, healthy? Okay, well, that's what you're aiming for. And so if you use a jeans-ometer or a belt-ometer or a jacket-ometer, who the hell cares? The bottom line is, if you're moving the needle in the right way, that's where it is. I just read a recently an article about Adele, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the singer, and, you know, she's dropped a lot of weight. And uh, one of the things she found that worked for her in a major way was something as simple as walking one hour per day. That's it. And, and she did that and then started just reining in her food, opting for, you know, whole foods, all the rest of it. There was emotional eating in there as well. And she had to address that. That's part of the habit thing. And she just had a little come to heaven session with herself. But, you know, physical activity, she didn't join an Olympic camp. Come on. You know, she walks and, and does a little bit of body training and then watches her nutrition carefully. She's a gorgeous woman. And um, wow, what a difference that made. And if you think that happened in one day, y'all be, you know, thinking about that one again because that's not what happened. So I think, you know, as we're wrapping this up, I think what I can summarize, Felicia, is that there needs to be a new normal narrative that is filled with empathy and compassion with a, an understanding that this is multifactorial. Um, this whole issue of our body composition, how much body fat we carry, how much muscle we carry, how that's correlated with our health and our well-being. And, and small steps that move the needle in eating more healthfully and also moving more throughout the day and, and making this into a routine habit, not something you do once a month, but a routine habit without perfection, without perfection and with lots of forgiveness for yourself as you're learning how to be able to balance all of this. Some of us who've been at it forever and a day, we kind of know how to dance around obstacles and this and that. And we tend to forgive ourselves very quickly because been there, done that, and we can regroup in a heartbeat. But for a lot of you out there are kind of new at this, you know, or maybe feeling a little disheartened because, you know, you feel like you're helpless, hopeless, and defeated. Don't, don't do that. Just take a small step here and, and start working on habits that you can address immediately. So as we end this, um, Felicia, 
any last word of wisdom for everyone out there on the Her Podcast land who's thinking about a new nutrition normal that's filled with self-compassion, empathy, and a, a new way to frame how to nourish oneself? Yeah, I would just I would just say think about your choices and are you good, being good to yourself? And are you taking care of your body, your mind? You know, we have one body to live within and I like to take good care of it like people take care of their cars, <laughs> you know, their pets. We should be taking as good of care and self-loving ourselves and doing things to help our bodies as we age because we are all aging every day so that we can live in a more healthful manner with less disease and more vitality. I love it. That is just fantastic. So be kind to yourself, but be responsible for yourself. You're going to have to eat healthfully, nourish that magnificent body of yours, move your body at the same time, small steps in the right direction. And each of those steps being sustainable, something you could build upon to build a strong foundation going forward. Felicia, I just can't thank you enough once again for being on the Herb Podcast. Everyone, we've been talking to Dr. Felicia Stoller. To learn more about her wonderful work, please run over to her website, Felicia Stoller, that's S-T-O-L-E-R.com, because she is absolutely dynamite and uh, has phenomenal ideas. And if you want to work with her, reach out to her and she will work with you as well. But she is one of our most valuable resources here at the Her Podcast. Thank you so much, Felicia, everyone out there. Thank you. Always my pleasure. Oh, so <laughs> wonderful. Run on over everyone to iTunes right now. Rate and review the show. I'm waiting to hear from you. I'm Dr. Pam Peek host of the Herb Podcast. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peak MD and Facebook at Dr. Pam Peak. And remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, and all of the major platforms. We're number one. Thanks for listening today. Please stay safe and stay well.